0: So yeah, here we are, less than a month from Christmas. And I'm going to take you back to Easter today. I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if that says something about us and how we do things. Maybe maybe it says something about 2020. You know, it was it was just before Easter this year when we found ourselves sheltering in place we found ourselves going through some very big changes and we promised we promised that when we got back together no matter when it was when we got back together it would be easter and we would sing the songs we would proclaim the risen christ and you know we tried we we really did that first sunday back together we sang we sang easter songs but it didn't feel the same it it was difficult and in so many ways, this year has been a year that is, has been out of order and it has left us confused. It has left us sad. It has left us searching. I have to admit, I, I, I've felt it. Nothing I learned prepared me for 2020. There was no course in college, I'll have to tell you. There is no course in college that said, here's how to preach during a pandemic. Here's how to minister in the midst of a mess like this. I think about the churches that I know of that for years for years planned for this year to be their 2020 vision that was their slogan that was their force that was what they were going to focus on 2020 vision and then 2020 actually hit I don't know if it's hilarious or sad but it's a reminder of how little you and I actually know and how little control we have over our world, and that thought can be humbling, and that thought can be terrifying, but this year has thrown us for a loop. I know you've felt it, too. I've spoken with many of you, and we've, we've all had that question this year, who do we trust Who do we trust? The news told us this, but this doctor said that, and these other doctors over here, they said something else, and then our governor told us this, but the governor in that state said something different, and then, well, my friend told me this, and we've wondered, who do we trust? We've wanted something solid, something that we can hold on to this year. We want truth that clears up all the confusion and points us in the right direction. And the truth is, we we don't know what that truth always is. (laughs) We, We want a truth that says, just do this, just pay attention to this, and walk this way and everything will be fine. And we've rightly asked the question in the midst of this year, where is God? Where is God in all of this? And and rightfully so. It's not a bad question to ask. It's a question that orients our faith and points us toward the truth. It's a question that gives us something solid to hang on to, to hang our hope on. And it brings us here in December. It brings us to Easter. Not Easter morning, though. Not Easter morning with the new light and the empty tomb and the new possibilities but easter evening on a road while it's getting dark and while there is so much confusion and you and i find ourselves on a journey with some other disciples with questions questions of what does this mean and where are we going All year long, you and I have been following Jesus through the Gospel of Luke. We've been looking at how Jesus encounters people on his way. We have been looking at how he engages with those with whom he sits at table and shares meals. And here we are at the end of the Gospel of Luke. We are here on the other side of Easter, and there is one more encounter. There is one more engagement. There is one more table. And you you and I are invited to sit and to eat. The story we're looking at today in Luke's gospel is in Luke chapter 24. It begins in verse, 13 and goes to verse 35. And you might be familiar with this story, but it it may be new to some of you. We call this story the road to Emmaus because that's where much of this story takes place. And it takes place on Sunday evening, Easter Sunday, the resurrection Sunday evening after Jesus had been resurrected that morning. And it involves two disciples. We know the name of one of them. His name is Cleopas. The other one we have no name for. They are walking to a town called Emmaus. And suddenly on the road, on their way, they are joined by an unknown walking companion. And so today you and I are just going to walk this path with the three of them. Begin in verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. That very day, Luke writes, that very day, Easter Day, Resurrection Day, Sunday, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But... Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Did you catch that in the last verse? They stood still, looking sad. There's such a contrast in those few words to everything that we have seen in the Gospel of Luke. It contrasts everything that Luke has shown us. All through Luke, Jesus is walking. He is encountering people on the road. And with that walk, there has been movement. There has been momentum. And from that movement and momentum, there has been rejoicing. Early on, Jesus encountered a paralyzed man. He told him to pick up his mat and go home. The man picked up his mat, and Luke says he went home glorifying God. Jesus encountered a demon-possessed man by the the sea. The the man is, is freed from this legion of demons that are within him, and he went away proclaiming how much Jesus had done for him. A blind man encounters Jesus on the road. He recovers his sight, and then he follows Jesus, glorifying God. But here, these two disciples on this road, they, they're stuck. They stood still, looking sad. Maybe, maybe you understand that this year. Maybe you and I are right there with them. The momentum has been hard in 2020. Just getting up in the morning, just getting out of bed, just trying to accomplish something has been difficult for all of us. I think I think we thought that shelter in place meant stay in place, stay in place in the same place in our hearts, in our minds. And it doesn't happen right now that winter is coming, that the days are shorter that sunlight is harder to come by that it's getting colder those things get inside us they they infect us and they make us sad and they can make us stand still they can make us paralyzed as well but on the road to Emmaus what those disciples don't see yet is who it is that has come alongside them on this journey. All they can see is that things did not turn out the way they thought they would. I love... I love how Jesus plays dumb in this encounter. He walks up with them and says, What is this conversation you are holding? You know good and well. You and I know good and well that it's Jesus, and he knows what they're talking about because he's Jesus. He knows these things. I think about those times when Jesus seems very silent in the midst of our sadness when we would love to hear His voice and we would love to hear that everything is going to be okay. I think of those times when in His silence, in our sadness, those are opportunities for us to look within ourselves and ask ourselves, are we seeing things clearly? Are we seeing things from His perspective? Or are the things that are so in front of us obscuring our vision of Him? Are they obscuring our faith? The story continues in verse 18. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him. He answered Jesus, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, Jesus says to them, Well, what things And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and in word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Now, everything they've just said is true. Everything they've just said are the facts, the facts that happened in Jerusalem. Jesus was a prophet. His words impacted them. His words impacted the chief priests and the rulers, and it impacted them to conspire, to have him arrested, to have him condemned, to have him crucified. If if you had watched the news reports in Jerusalem that weekend, that is exactly what you would have heard. Local rabble rouser is finally put down. And those were the physical truths. Those were the truths that everybody could see. Jesus had been crucified. Now, where, where do you go when your physical reality does not line up with the hope that you have? Where do you go when your world crashes in and you face disappointment and you face discouragement? Where do you go when that one who promised to always be there walks out? Where do you go when the doctor's report is not what you had hoped for, which is not what you had wanted to hear? What happens when reality and your hope clash together? Which one do you hold on to? What wins out? Is it your plans or is it your hope? We continue on in the story. Verse 21, Cleopas says, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him, Jesus, they did not see. I want you to hear what they said. We had hoped. We had hoped. You know, I I can't hear those words without thinking back to the beginning of Luke's gospel. Honestly, I can't hear that word hope without thinking back to the Christmas story, the story of Jesus's birth, the very beginning. You listen to Mary's song. It is full of hope. You listen to the announcement the angels made to the shepherds. We bring you good news That that will be great joy You think about little Jesus in the temple, being dedicated in the temple, and Anna, the prophetess, coming up to him, giving thanks, and speaking to all about the redemption of Jerusalem. That was their hope. But where was their hope now? Do we reserve our hope for just what we can see, just what we can hear, just what we can understand? Do do we reserve our hope just for a cure? to this virus? Do we reserve our hope for a vaccine? Is that our hope for 2021? Do we find our hopes dashed, or do they point us to something greater? Do they point us to someone greater? These two know about the empty tomb. They have heard stories, but so far, it's just confusing. The overriding reality is that Jesus is gone, or or so they think. Jesus is gone, and with them, their hope is gone. It's at this point in the story where Jesus speaks up. And what he shows these two on the road to Emmaus is exactly what he longs for you and me to see, that our hope is very much alive. Continuing on in verse 25, Jesus said to them, "Oh." foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What does Jesus reveal to them? You know, the easier question is what he doesn't reveal to them. He doesn't reveal the answers. He doesn't reveal the reasons. He doesn't tell them why they're hurting. He doesn't tell us why COVID-19. He doesn't tell us why we've lost so many good friends this year, why we lost Ed Ray, why we lost Ed Nichols, why we lost Viva, why we lost Don Lucas, why we lost Jim Webb. He doesn't tell us why this awful year. What He reveals to them is what He continues to reveal to you and me. He reveals Himself. I want you to hear it again. You need to get this. You need to hear this. Verse 27, He says, "In beginning... With Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. What do the scriptures tell us? They tell us about himself. The scriptures tell us about Jesus. So far this year, I have heard preachers promise you and me uh, that the scriptures tell us about COVID-19. I have heard preachers tell us that the Scriptures give us the answer to who wins the election. I have heard preachers say that Scriptures tell us about racial unrest in our country today. And I've even heard preachers tell us the identity of the Antichrist are revealed in the Scriptures here. But listen, listen to Jesus He opens the Bible to them and he shows them it's all, all about him. Everything from the beginning points to him. Jesus does that for them. Would would we let him do that for us? I think one of the saddest realities in the Bible is that we don't know what he said. I mean, wouldn't you have loved to have been in on that Bible study? A Bible study led by Jesus himself. A Bible study where he opens the Bible and beginning with Genesis, he shows how it all points to him. I want to know what he said. But while I don't know exactly what he said, I do know this as a preacher. I don't dare, I don't dare point you to anyone or anything else in this book but Jesus. If I open my Bible and try to point you to anyone but Jesus, I have missed the point because the fact is God's plan points you to Jesus. This is a lesson that we desperately need to remember this year. Our world is pointing us in so many different directions. There is so much conflict because people are pointing in all these different directions and they're pointing to despair. They're pointing to things getting worse. They're pointing fingers looking for blame. Who's responsible and where do we find the answers? Where do we find any hope? And we look at Jesus on the road to Emmaus and he takes the Bible. He takes our Bible, our precious, our sacred, our beloved Bibles, and he points to himself. God's plan points you to Jesus. That's that's not enough. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Well, that's not enough. We need more. And and, and you're frustrated because that's all there is. So we search. We search for answers. But to our amazement, as we look even closer, Jesus doesn't just point us to himself. He also draws us to himself. Look on in the story in verse 28. So they drew near a village to which they were going. And he, that is Jesus, he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. I love this part of the story. Jesus pretends that he's going to be going on further down the road. Well, have a good time. It was nice to meet you. Enjoy your stay. And they're like, no, 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 it's not enough. You've got to stay with us. You've got to tell us more. You've got to show us more. And that's where it happens. Or should I say here is where it happens. It happens at the table when he was at table with them. He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while He opened to us the Scriptures. From the very beginning of the year, I have told you that Luke talks about the table more than any other book in the Bible. Again and again, Jesus encounters people on his walk and then he engages them at the table, which has led us to the table in the upper room, the table in the upper room where the 12 met with Jesus. We call it the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. It's where we get our continuing remembrance of communion. But this story and this table This story is for you and me. This story is for every unnamed disciple out there who wasn't in that upper room, for everyone who wonders, what about me? What about my pain? What about my questions? What about my hope? There's a table for us. There's a table for you. We... We need this table. We need this table so desperately this year. This year has left us confused. So many questions, so much turmoil, and for many of us, just too much heartbreak this year. In our search for answers to all of our whys, let's not miss what Jesus shows us here. Let's not miss the who. It's no matter the, what pain, no matter what problem, no matter what pandemic, Jesus continues to point us to himself. And when we wonder what God's plan is, we look, and there at the center of it is Jesus. And it's important to notice that these disciples don't stay At this table, you notice the end of the story continuing on in verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They don't stay at the table they go and they tell what happened and how they met Jesus. And did you catch it? How he was known to them through the breaking of the bread. Something special happened at that table. Fears melted away, confusion melted away, and Jesus appeared to them. God's plan points us to Jesus. I think about the people around us, people in our community, people in our families, our friends. 2020 has been, it's been rough on everyone. And there are so many questions. There is so much confusion and worse. There has become so much anger and so much division. What would happen if we, after coming to the table. What would happen if we, after coming to the table, we went out and we didn't just tell people about Jesus. We showed them Jesus. We showed them his compassion. We showed them his kindness. We showed them what it's like to have him at the center. There are people that you and I encounter every day people in our community, people all around us. There are people that we engage with in conversation, and sometimes we even get to share a table with them. May the time that we've spent here, may the time that we've spent here with Jesus not only change us, but may it direct us. May it have an impact on the people that we encounter, the people that we engage that through the way we share with them, they might know that God has a plan to point them to Jesus. He was revealed to them through the breaking of the bread. We come to our table. We come to our time of communion. We come for a fresh view of who Jesus is and who he calls us to be. And I pray this morning that your time in communion, that in your time in communion, you see Jesus anew, that you place him at the center of your being, at the center of your hope, and that you recognize that plan that God has for you, for all of us. and You hold Jesus there. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this long walk through the, through the, through the gospel of Luke. We thank you for what we have seen. We thank you for what we have encountered and the way we have engaged. And we thank you that time after time we've come to your table and your son has been revealed to us. We ask that you reveal him to us again today in a special way. And I ask that as we leave the table, as we go, that we will tell others, that we will show others his love, his mercy, and the hope that he has for all of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad we get to share the Gospel of Luke together. I'm so glad we've gotten to share this time together. Thank you for joining us today. God bless. Go in peace.